Escape Act Natural. It says Broker was released in June, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I saw it after Decision. So Broker and Decision. Okay. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Decision to Leave was a film that came out and made the rounds specifically around the Academy Awards season. Same with a movie called Broker. Decision to Leave was a really good movie. We're going to talk about that today. But first, we're going to talk about Broker. Interview Gabe. <laughs> Stage left. <laughs> yeah, Broker's an interesting flick. Um, I have not seen Broker. Full disclosure, but I I have seen Decision to Leave, but I know, I read the premise of Broker and it seemed interesting. God, I've never actually said this guy's name. The director of Broker. I love this is my favorite part of our podcast because he's Japanese born. This but is the only reason why people should listen to us. <laughs> this is the main reason why no one listens to the podcast is because Gabe can't pronounce. Like we don't know how to they don't know how to pronounce anything. They Do don't I, even speak English. All right, well I'm gonna try. Go ahead. We're just, we're raw dogging it. We're jumping right into this podcast. The director of Broker, his name for 500 million <laughs> is Corey. There's an, there's like, there's a dash in the middle of the name. Korida Hirokazu. He's Japanese born that's, in Tokyo. That's good. But it's essentially a Korean film, I think. Why? I don't know if it was, the production was Korean, but all the actors oh. are Korean. And I'm pretty sure the story okay. takes place in Korean, in okay. Korea. <laughs> It does in Korean. Was it Korean? But he is Japanese born. Was it Korean in language? I know that. Song. It was, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> the the as I recall, the rough uh, synopsis is these two guys are trying to. Wow, I'm just this like, podcast is rough. Thinking about this for the first time. Uh, it's two guys who they they take care of kids, right? Like. Yeah, they I think they're, they're like ch- the orphans? children are like abandoned, Orphanage? essentially. Yeah. Um, not like, well, they are abandoned, but uh, usually they have this uh, program where people can put their kids there if they don't want them. So, it, it is basically abandonment. But. So gnarly, yeah. Uh, and then they try to find a home for them. But I think there's also like the guys trying to, you know, turn it into a bit of a hustle. The main actor being the dude from Parasite, Song Kang-ho. Um, awesome. He's a typical Bong love, Joon-ho love that guy. alum, you know, Memories of Murder, The Host, all that stuff. He's amazing. He's like my favorite Korean actor, I think. He's your favorite Korean? Actor. Okay. Yeah. I, he could I be love your many Koreans. I mean, he could be your favorite Korean. I don't I don't know many Korean people myself. You know, I don't either, but I don't know him. He, he seems like a cool guy, but it's an incredible cast. They have <laughs> Gang Dong-won as the other guy who's, you know, part of this hustle. Hustle. Uh, Bae Duna. As this kind of um, jaded, kind of disenchanted, I think she's a detective and she's trying to uncover this operation. She has her own journey inside the film, mm. uh, as well as Jiun It'd Lee. It'd be weird if it was outside of the film. It would. It wouldn't make any sense for this podcast. Uh, everything we're talking about now is inside of this film. <laughs> it's not even inside of the film that we're talking about today. That's what's weird. Yeah. This is just, this is the, the cold open. This is out of left field. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's an amazing cast. Uh, it's it kind of lived, unfortunately, in decision to leave shadow because mm. typically in the Western hemisphere, you know, hemisphere, as far as like the big, what am I trying to say? The the mainstream focuses. You know, every year there's like one Korean or Japanese piece of cinema that really makes the headlines. Yeah. You know, we had Drive My Car, a Parasite in 2019, and usually there's only one that makes the headlines. Um, yeah. Or the you know everyone's talking about so decision to leave was kind of like that but broker Mm. 
also was this really incredible little film with a lot of heart. And it was a very, I don't know, life-affirming, wholesome story, despite having some really strong drama in there. So it's it's hard for me to pick between the two. And that's why we're, we're mentioning it on the Decision to Leave podcast. I would recommend it to, to everyone, to be honest. I don't know what else to say. It was really good. What What's like the main contention of the film? You mean like the conflict? Yeah. Uh, they come to, um, over the course of the film, they, Are they, like running they sort law? of become a family, this ragtag group of characters, uh, these two guys being the focal point. They're trying to sell off the baby, you know. But they, they come across a couple other characters, including a young boy who ends up tagging along with them, like a stowaway. And this becomes kind of a family unit of characters, mm. including the mother of the child they're trying to pawn off. Uh, she's involved because she wants to make sure I think the kid has a finds a good home. Yeah. The baby. Yeah. And then she comes to find this new appreciation for her motherhood. And then you have this family unit of three or four characters that are really starting to coalesce and, mm-hmm. and become, um, right. you know, uh, become connected to one another. So the con- the main conflict of the film is whether or not they actually want to turn this baby over to strangers oh, for money. So it's kind of like Zombieland uh, without yeah. the zombies. Without the zombies and with a baby they're trying to sell <laughs> in Korea. It's like a bunch of people together doing a thing. Yeah, and it's really touching. I think I I don't I entirely remember who do they touch? How it ends? Many families, many oh, okay. lives. Okay, many lives were touched. They run through a couple couples, a couple couples. F. They run through several people, you know, applicants for this child, and they determine like these aren't the right people for it for one reason or another. And I don't remember who ends up with the baby, but was it a couple? Couples? But every, every character in this in this fa- <laughs> in this uh, story, they have like their own thing they're going through. Like the main guy uh, from Parasite that we talked about, he has like uh, his he's estranged with uh, his family, his ex wife, his daughter, and he ends up meeting his daughter at one point, and he's like trying to reconcile his ability to be a father or not be a father Mm. uh, with his own family. And the kid who tags along with them is an orphan as well. So there's all these like contrasting dynamics, but it's really fun and it's really sweet. Cool. So I I would definitely put it up there. I think I would have enjoyed it. I just like didn't get around to it this year. Yeah, that's okay. But what I did get around to was this film. Decision, decision to leave. To leave. Big. Just, just like our podcast has been off the air for two months, <laughs> we've gone. We dark. made a decision. To, we to made leave. a decision to leave. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, it was. But it wasn't really. We didn't actually make it the decision. It just happened. Even before this movie hit the cinemas, it was big because of the director Park Chan Wook. Park Chan Wook, one of the eminent directors of Korea. You know, the, as yeah. far as Korean directors go. Mostly not of the twenty first I mean, century. He's he's really well known for the movie. Couple movies. No, the big one. Old boy. Old boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Old boy. Old boy. Starring Josh Brolin. No. And no. Elizabeth. No. And the dude from District Nine, <laughs> Charles Tocopoli. Was, was a joke. No, that that uh, adaptation's pretty rough. I haven't seen it uh, because I avoided it. But people say it's rough. I mean, whenever you take. We're we're going tangents now, but whenever you take like we're talking about Park Chan Wook, yeah, but 
you're talking about the American version. Spe- of talk about a director <laughs> whose name you have spoken out loud before. Park Chan Wook. We definitely have talked about him before. We have. He did. Uh, we never did a cast for it, but The Handmaiden in 2016. Which you watched. I did. I saw it because Decision to Leave. Yeah. I had been wanting to How watch it that? for years. How was Handmaiden? It's incredible. Every what was every cinephile Redditor will tell you Handmaiden to Leave is like, I'm sorry, Handmaiden to Leave. <laughs> <laughs> I, please, God, cut that out in the edit. I'm not cutting it out. Cut it I'm out. Really, it's too good. Uh, every like, you know, <laughs> to leave. every armchair cinephile is going to say like, oh, The Handmaiden is this monolith of modern cinema didn't you say it is really good you liked it less than decision to leave i don't know if i did <laughs> that was a little while ago but i remember uh, you saying that i it, i mean i very you you told well what i what i said i said should i watch handmaiden you said if you had to choose between handmaiden and decision to leave watch decision to leave that's what you said did i say that yeah that's crazy because i think i stand by that but Whoa. they're very <laughs> different kinds of films the handmaid okay there's a whole conversation around this, and I guess we're in the meat and potatoes of the podcast. The, the whole reason we have a podcast <laughs> is to have the conversation. So Park Chan-wook is known. He's established, well, this is right before Decision to Leave, as this director who brings a lot of these very exciting, violent, and sensual elements into his films mm. as an auteur. Mm-hmm. Uh, and The Handmaiden was essentially the culmination of that. It was like the pinnacle of his work of sensationalist, erotic is the word I'm looking for, erotic... Was it like super cinema. sexual? Well, I mean, it wasn't porn, but it was woven into the fabric of what the story was. I didn't ask was. you if it was porn. I asked well, you if it was no, sexual. Well, no, it's important to make the distinction because it's not like all about sex and lust, but that was an important part of the story. Um, and it was a kind of a lesbian romance as well because this main oh, character okay. is like the maiden of this estate and she has an assistant that comes in Mm. and they have this tryst because she has a suitor who's like a bad dude. Mm. It's a whole thing. Very Shakespearean. So, but very tar. Yeah. That to say that was like, he had established himself internationally as this kind of, yeah. Auteur. This was the movie he makes and he makes them very well. And so the handmaiden is exceptional, but decision to leave was a really interesting Mm-hmm. Not so much uh, a departure of his style, but kind of like an evolution of his style. In the same way, I would say, and this is the first time I'm having this thought, so it might come out raw. Nice. But uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood from Tarantino. Yes. Very different, right? Than a lot of what he's done in the past. Yeah, it was very yeah. restrained. And yeah. It was kind of like... And that's probably why I liked it. <laughs> yeah. And so that, in my opinion, that's what Park Chan-wook was trying to do with Decision to Leave. It was still noir. It was still sensual. And it was all these things. But it was very, like, uh, contained and restrained, you know. And so you have a lot that's unsaid, which is funny because the film is all about language. And it's all about communication. Because I think <laughs> uh, there were multiple languages in the film. I'm trying to remember this for the first time in a while, so pardon it's set in korea but i think the femme fatale is uh, japanese speaking right so uh, a lot of the film revolves around this like pachinko kind of yeah this this conflict in in language barrier and also the translation of it because yeah eastern dialects uh more so than american you'll have a lot of nuance that is lost in the words that are said right because of things like tone and inflection yeah so there's a, he played with that a lot. But overall, I mean, just the film Decision to Leave from Park Shin-wook, it was uh, very restrained and toned down compared to stuff like The Handmaiden or Old Boy, you know. 
the quintessential like yeah i have crazy like twist ah i have i have responses to what you're saying but i think we should talk about the cast really quick yeah and i'm gonna put it all on you again because i love it yes i love listening to you try to pronounce i god i wish i didn't have to do (laughs) it just gets harder as i go continue these letters in this order continue (laughs) uh well the main character these letters in this order (laughs) jang hey june uh was played by park hey ill hey dash ill god help us all i'm so sorry <laughs> uh and we have song so Rei played by tang we tang Wei. this is literally why no one listens to this podcast otherwise strong podcast when gabe starts pronouncing the characters names and the actors names it all goes out the window we also have you know that's all that matters. It's the two main characters. Yeah, that's really all that matters. Um, because their their dynamic is essentially the the whole film. Yeah. So and so Park Chan Wook, different film for him. Yeah. Very restrained, and I think the reason why is because it's a noir, and I have a lot to say about that. But before we get into that, let's take a break for the song of the day. Song of the day. And you might be wondering, this is weird. Who does that? <laughs> yep. And it's because we're fucking weird. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, here's a Doja Cat song in a collab with <laughs> with SZA. Who is that? <laughs> Hi, can you spell it? Yes, you... it's S-Z-A, SZA. That's and it's called Kiss Me More, and it's a jam. <laughs> for listening to kiss me more i feel like that kind of ties into the theme of noir let's talk about noirs yeah i don't think we've ever i don't know if we've ever covered a noir before in this this cast what is noir and that's, that's mainly because i don't i don't necessarily like them i think i've decided what yeah really i know it's it's, it's such a classic genre it is classic i think i i think i only like i'm very selective about the ones that i like okay 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 so with that being <laughs> said i don't like chinatown Wow. Yeah. All right. I saw it. Can you name a noir you do like? Well, <laughs> I liked Brick. Oh. And I would consider that a noir. The 2005 Ryan Johnson flick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, filmed at my high school. But that's a good one. I think I think I really like smart, fast-paced noirs like LA Confidential, Chinatown. I liked Decision to Leave a lot, to be honest. But but even this had like 
man, I would have cut like 25 minutes out of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's also specific to the film, but I see what you're but saying. But I also think it's specific to the genre. And I think it made sense why it was like two and a half hours long ish, maybe 240. But, <laughs> but I, and I really liked a lot of what it did and why it did what it did and why it was noir. But I think, I think you're, that's a good, yeah. I, I just think noir is like such a specific thing and it's, it's a lot of tone. Yeah. And you have to capture that tone. Like Nick Cage, Jizz Spider Man, and Into the Spider Verse, <laughs> Noir Spider Man, yeah, Noir, the Noir Spider Man. That's a funny caricature of the genre, but it is essentially what you're saying. It is a slower, very like introspect, meditative, and um, like Blade Runner is in Noir. Yes, yes, bit. but it's but it's also a neo noir, so it's yeah. it's a lot different, and I like it a lot more because of that. Like I like really interesting noir. Chinatown. What what's interesting about noirs and something I've I've kind of thought about a lot is you have what you think is the main plot of the film Mm -hmm. but that's not really the story that it's telling it's telling a different story it's usually telling the story of the protagonist who's usually a detective and (laughs) and that character is trying to piece together not just the mystery but also their life and that's something i've noticed like most noirs have in common Mm -hmm. and so while they're trying to piece together a mystery that you think the movie is actually about, that's not actually the main storyline. You're getting like a like a B plot storyline that actually becomes the A plot storyline at a certain point. And so I really like the idea of noir. Like I feel like if I tried to do one, if I if I ever like wrote a script like to try to mimic noir style, I feel like I would be really specific about how I approached it. Yeah, you know everything's wet, everything's dark, everything's shat like all the hallmarks. shadowed. Yeah, like. Everything's uh, desaturated. Very like, brooding. Yeah, yeah. And it's one reason I like Brick a lot, because Brick had a really unique style and language to it. I mean, mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson wrote that script, like, very specifically. He made it, like, essentially his own slang, like, his own language to make yeah. that film better. Yeah, Blade yeah. Runner has, you know, it's just bleeds Ridley Scott 80s vibes that, like, I it just unmatched, unparalleled. Mm. until Denny Villeneuve takes over. But like, yeah, I Chinatown just didn't do it for me. I know a lot of people love that movie and I don't mean to like shit on it. I, I do think it has its place in cinema history. Um, Decision to leave though. I thought I, I really liked a lot of what he did, what Park Chan-wook did. And uh, I, I, I wouldn't complain too much about it. You're following a protagonist who he's married, right? He is married. His wife's like, He's essentially in a a different city. Yeah. And, and so he, yeah, so he's married and he's, he's trying to figure out how to make love to his wife. He doesn't, he doesn't really feel a connection with her. He meets this woman who might be a murderer. And, (laughs) and this is kind of the story of, of decision to leave. She like, she's the number one suspect and her husband, essentially who was a climber falling to his death off of like a big kind of mountain top rock structure. And everyone suspects that she pushed him. And he goes out and he, he finds a little bit of evidence that he thinks it might be true, but he's also intrigued by her because he connects with her in a way that he doesn't connect with his wife. Yeah. And so then at a certain point, there's like some evidence that he might've obscured to kind of make it so that the, she wouldn't be thrown in jail because he wanted to keep her around. And then he decides, what am I doing? I'm going to go back to my wife. And then he tries to patch things up with his wife. And this woman who's, you know, the classic femme fatale, like 
She's the one that's like the root of all the problems in the noir. She ends up basically trying to move on. She can't move on. She still decides to, that she wants to kind of mess with this cop uh, detective and, and it ultimately leads to her, her demise. Yeah. Fate draws them together. Yep. <laughs> the part of the third act is like a, a fast forward, right? The time skips into. Yeah. It's like, I think it's like nine months later or 10 months later. Or something yeah. Like yeah. Is that, I mean, I guess full and he, spoilers. And he had moved away. He had yeah. actually left the department because he tried to move on. Yeah. And and um, he he couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Full full spoilers. Does she die? Yeah. So okay, this is actually my favorite part of the film. <laughs> no, no, really, really. I'm gonna explain this. Park Chan Wook did something so so clever. Like, oh yeah. It 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 really. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, I'm remembering how it ends. No, no, no. Okay, well, what he, what Park Chan-wook did. So sometimes in this film, Park Chan-wook placed a camera from the perspective of an inanimate object. Oh, yeah. And and you'd see, like, so these characters would walk up. It'd be shot kind of classically. Like, you have the, the rule of thirds. You're going over the shoulder. You have the talking scene. You have the wide. You have the close-ups. But then he would cut to, like, a shot that, like, like one of them sticks out to my mind. It was, like... You see these fish in a barrel in, a, in an open market, and uh, he cuts to a shot that's like fish-eyed, like clearly fish-eyed, from the, the POV of one of the dead fish. <laughs> and you're watching them from that perspective. And he does it multiple times throughout the film. He cuts to these random angles in the middle of these scenes. Yeah. So... What happens is she sa- she basically says, like, I'm going to get out of here. And he follows her down to the beach, this beach. And she digs a hole and, and the water starts to wash over the hole and it cuts and to him. You don't really know when he showed up. He probably showed up uh, probably like 20, 30 minutes later. And he starts looking around the beach. She, By the way, she gets in the hole. I, didn't, I don't think I said that. She gets in the hole. The waves start washing over. It cuts. He comes, he comes probably like 30 minutes later and um, he starts screaming her name, looking for her. He can't find her. And at a certain point, he's looking all around and the camera, like, because he can't find her, there's no response. He's just looking, he's searching, he's searching. It's like a really long scene. It's like 10 minutes of him searching. And it cuts, at a certain point, it cuts to basically the sand's perspective up from, like, where the ground, up at him searching as if it was her perspective, basically indicating that she's buried and and basically dead under the ground, under the sand. And you know, <laughs> never, never to be found again. And, and he just continues searching and searching and searching. And that's how the movie ends is him essentially screaming her name and searching at sunset in the, uh, at the beach. Pretty yeah, gnarly. That was, but it was so freaking genius that, that camera angle. Cause it, it told you everything you needed to know in one shot without actually saying anything at all. I love that. Yeah, there was a lot of really creative camera work in this film, and not just for the within the scenes, but also a lot of people were talking about when it came out, some of the scene transitions with visual effects, the way it would move, incorporating like uh, oh, yeah. digital stuff, mm-hmm. like um, you would see on a phone or a monitor. Oh, yeah. yeah, they did a lot of phone stuff in this. A lot of creative work in this movie. And I'm trying to remember now why she made that decision. It was because she couldn't live with, was it what he was going to have to do or something? Or they couldn't be together. I can't remember why she ended up killing herself. I think it's because she was alone. And, and I think 
there was a, a lot of complexity behind her. You didn't really ever understand why she was doing what she was doing. At some point, she shows up and kills another guy, like right in front of him. <laughs> I like like throws him into a pool or something, and he's like, "This girl's crazy," but he still like is intrigued by her. I think he still has a heart for her, but he keeps telling her like, "I'm never going to be with you," and I think that's why she takes off. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was an incredible. Because there's, but but it's not. I don't think she like took her own life because, like, just because she couldn't be with him. I think she took her own life because of a lot of other like personal issues that we never really heard about, you know? Yeah. From her own experience growing up or something. I don't know. You know, who you can only begin to surmise, but really good film. Also worth noting, the main character had like insomnia, right? That was part of his character profile. He couldn't, he couldn't really sleep, which is why a lot of this stuff was happening at night. That sounds about right. Very, very noir of him to yeah. do that. I was going to say, it's very noir of him. Yeah, this was an amazing movie. It was one of my favorites. I'm pretty sure it made it into my top 10 of 2022. Um, yeah. I mean, any Park Chan-wook film does, but uh, yeah, it was really good. I'm glad we got a chance finally to talk about it a bit. If you have any interest in you know, Korean cinema, Asian cinema, I would highly recommend checking it out. And if you go back and listen to our first episode, you'll understand how passionate Gabe is about Korean cinema. Yes, this was the inception of our podcast, was the it parasite was. hype. It was. Amidst the Oscars. The parasite. Uh, yeah, the rush. So I'm so glad. I hate I mean, Paris, though. I mean, it, it's, it's ama- I mean, just if I could go on a 20-second rant, it's amazing to see the influences carry forward from 100 years ago because all of the quintessential mm-hmm. 20th century filmmakers mm-hmm. call back to people like Kurosawa. Our artistic film, These yeah. Japanese, Chinese, Korean, well, I don't know. Some of that evolved over time. But yeah. these, uh, you know, established, these people who essentially made cinema, yeah. you know, over time, all the, the classic styles and stuff so noir was there from the beginning and it's cool to see people still playing with the genre and, and uh, sure. evolving the format especially yeah. from these amazing uh high profile directors coming out of korea and, and japan and china and thailand all these all these asian countries there's so much incredible movie making <laughs> that people don't know about because of you know everything from the subtitle yeah barrier yeah. to just the cultural differences people can't really totally uh, grasp you know these different lifestyles different mm-hmm. you know i do know i'm losing my right here at the end we're gonna play a song from decision to leave yeah great score here's the score mm-hmm. 